from Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the show on this Monday morning. Good to be with you. And I hope that it is improving temperature-wise out there. And it is nice and warm because it has been a rather cold week. But don't worry, we are going to have a crackingly hot show for you today. As usual, we chat to Parliament with Dear Parliament and Rob Hutchinson. That's later on in the show at about 20 to 10. But first, on the line, I have our guest for today. He is McLean Sabanda, and he has just written a book called Nuts and Bolts. It's all about entrepreneurship and the story of the innovation hub. McLean, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Benji, and uh, also good morning to your, uh, to the listeners out there. Thank you so much for joining us. McLean, you were the, the CEO of the Innovation Hub. Uh, start perhaps by telling us what that's all about and how you came to be in that position in the first place. Yeah, so I think let me start off. So the Innovation Hub uh, is uh, today regarded as the innovation agency of the Gauteng province. So I found myself uh, being CEO in the beginning uh, of uh, 2011. I had been a tenant uh, at the Innovation Hub uh, precinct in Pretoria, uh, located between the University of Pretoria and the CSIR. And a friend of mine gave me a call and said, well, they're looking for a CEO. Uh, and my response to him was, well, I'm not a landlord because uh, I, the only thing that I knew about the Innovation Hub was that it had space. Uh, that people let and so forth and said, no, they're actually looking for somebody to reposition it uh, and for it to focus on innovation more than just on real estate. Uh, and so went on for an interview and uh, got asked to come in and reposition it. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, February 2011, I started uh, and I had a good run up until uh, June uh, 2018, when I decided that it was time to move on. So the Innovation Hub is all about supporting entrepreneurs, people who are starting businesses, innovation in our country, and particularly in our province of Gauteng. So what kind of services does a hub like this provide? Because I imagine that most people look at this and it sounds a little bit abstract or woo-woo. So maybe concretize it for us. What kind of stuff did you do to help people who are starting businesses? Yeah, so one of the, I mean, challenges for people starting off businesses, uh, in fact, there are various challenges. One is um, assistance in terms of validating the idea. Uh, there's issues of access to finance, uh, access to market. Uh, there is also uh, issues around uh, facilities uh, or offices. Uh, and so today, uh, the Innovation Hub is an innovation agency of the province, uh, is uh, it's got sites in 10 townships throughout Houghton. Uh It then has its main site in Pretoria, as well uh, as uh, an incubator in Bramfontein. So through the Innovation Hub, what entrepreneurs can be able to access uh, uh, facilities, uh, uh, co-sharing spaces, uh, also uh, facilities for prototyping, 
uh, their ideas. Uh, there is also uh, high-speed bandwidth uh, that they can be able to access. They also are given uh, access to mentors, uh, coaching. Uh, there's training activities that are also provided for entrepreneurs. Uh, there is an annual innovation competition that uh, entrepreneurs that are supported by the Innovation Hub and those that are not supported uh, can be able to enter, and that is the GAP uh, competition. And for any of the entrepreneurs listening, the GAP competition is just opened. Uh, so go to the Innovation Hub website, www.theinnovationhub.com, and, uh, and place your entry. I saw a very disturbing statistic, I thought, the other day about the amount of venture capitalist dollars that come into countries in Africa for for innovation. Uh, and South Africa, mm. as far as I could tell, number three on the continent behind, I think, Nigeria, uh, maybe Kenya or, or Egypt. I forget which one it is. How do you think we're mm. doing in terms of startups and entrepreneurship in, in our country at the moment? We're not doing that badly, but yet uh, a lot more can be done. So the challenge uh, that uh, one finds with entrepreneurs uh, from a funding point of view, there's a gap between 250,000 to about 1 million rand. And that is a critical gap of funding that entrepreneurs really need for them to be able to access a big amounts of funding. Uh, and uh, that particular gap, that's proof of concept uh, that is required um, and so we've got agencies like the Technology Innovation Agency that are meant to provide part of that gap funding. Uh, but sadly, it takes too long. Uh, and uh, when they do provide funding, it, it, it indeed has uh, demonstrated uh, that it goes uh, a long way. Um, we, and I think what is unique about uh, South Africa, Benji, is the fact that our innovation ecosystem is not just concentrated in one city. So if you look at Nigeria, for example, it's largely Lagos uh, and a bit of Abuja. If you look at Kenya, uh, it is Nairobi. Uh, if you look at Rwanda, it's Kigali. Uh, if you look at uh, Dar's, I mean, uh, uh, Tanzania, it is Dar es Salaam. But when you come to South Africa, you've got ecosystems that are actually uh, blossoming uh, in Cape Town, uh, in Johannesburg, in Pretoria, uh, also in Durban. Uh, and we're getting, uh, you know, more and more uh, smaller ecosystems, uh, you know, coming through. But that particular big amount of funding, the venture capital funding, is missing uh, because uh, we have not had a venture capital culture in South Africa. It's largely been private equity. But we're seeing more and more VCs uh, coming through. There's something that Wusi uh, Tembegwai runs, which is a VC. We've seen also IDF Capital uh, that Bullo Nitaka also runs. Uh, that's also a VC uh, in a seed uh, capital. Uh, also, I think the new fund, the SA fund uh, that has been initiated, it's a good step in the right direction. Now, apart from the issue of funding, what about policy that we're seeing in South African context? What could we be doing more from a policy perspective to help entrepreneurs take that Next leap. I mean, you see in the media often people complaining about late payment from government, too much stuff around red tape, all of that sort of thing. What kind of policy mm. could we be enacting to make sure that our sectors are, are improved? 
Yeah, so I mean, policy is everything uh, because also uh, the regulatory environment and the policy environment uh, also has an influence in terms of venture capital funding that will be able to attract from abroad. Uh, so for one, uh, I think uh, we need a government to open up more and make it easier for entrepreneurs to do business uh, with uh, government. Uh, so there's a lot of red tape. Uh, so anything that is innovative, uh, in my view, is that it's quite difficult to put it out to tender. Uh, but, you know, maybe government uh, should try to come up with a policy that allows entrepreneurs to be able to uh, to, to, to do prototyping, uh, piloting with uh, government. I mean, we did have that at the Innovation Hub where we worked uh, with the city of Tswane, uh, and the city of Johannesburg, uh, and also the Department of Infrastructure Development in Houting, uh, where we allowed our entrepreneurs to be able to, uh, to do their pilots. The other thing is to have incentives that, uh, would then allow uh, I think ease of access uh, to, you know, to capital. Uh, so I think there needs to be a policy in terms of time that it takes for agencies like uh, TIA, IDC, NEF uh, to make funding decisions uh, so that uh, it's, it's more predictable. And so that is actually, you know, quite important. I think there is also tax that so we need to review the tax incentive uh, that we have, the 150% uh, tax, R&D tax. Uh, to see whether it is indeed enabling, um, because uh, it only applies really for those uh, startups that are making money. If uh, they're not revenue stage, uh, that R&D tax uh, is, not, um, is not viable. And indeed, I think it touched on a very important point in terms of payment. I think all government departments uh, should make it a rule that uh, startups uh, should be paid uh, no later than 30 days. Ideally, they should be paid uh, in 14 days. And I saw that uh, during my time in the Houting uh, uh, province, where the Department uh, of uh, Economic Development insisted that all its agencies uh, pay uh, invoices within 14 days. Now, McLean, someone like me thinks about innovation and I kind of get maybe a bit put off because I'm not so good at math. I'm not so good at science. And I see everything is like fintech and Bitcoin and all of this stuff. But actually, innovation is coming in some very interesting areas that are really South African, particularly in the bio sector, uh, plants, indigenous knowledge, that sort of thing. Perhaps talk to us about that, because I think it's one of the, the parts where South Africa has a competitive advantage on the rest of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the bioeconomy is a, it's a huge, huge uh, area. And I mean, in the book, Nuts and Bolts are going to detail. There's a, a chapter dedicated uh, to the bioeconomy. Why? Because the bioeconomy cuts across a whole range uh, of, uh, you know, sectors, uh, in terms of uh, whether it's uh, healthcare, uh, food security, industrial products, uh, uh, you know, FMCG, uh, you know, goods, uh, things that we consume. Um, and, um, yes, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, fauna and, uh, you know, uh, you know, plants and, you know, all sorts of things that can be, you know, harnessed, uh, to, uh, to give us uh, some competitive advantage. And I think we've seen also recently, uh, with COVID-19, uh, South Africans have been quite busy, you know, uh, innovating around uh, different things. There's a company that has come up with a, 
with a rapid test uh, for uh, you know for COVID nineteen. Uh, Sapra just approved it. It's called uh, you know Cape uh, Cape Bio. Again, it's a South African uh, company. We look in terms of some of the innovations that have come out of the CSIR. Uh, there are innovations that embody indigenous knowledge uh, that have also been licensed, uh, you know, abroad. Uh, so the bioeconomy is one area that also we produce a lot of publications. So research that is done at universities is in the area of bioeconomy. Uh, and so in the book also I talk about uh, a number of entrepreneurs. There is um, Terence from Akamisa. Is in the bioeconomy. There is Porsche M that actually uh, is now probably one of the fastest growing cosmetics uh, in our companies. Uh, and she used marula, um, you know, oil as part of the base uh, to build in you know, a hair business. And that's also in the bioeconomy. Yeah, McLean, I was in, in researching this discussion, I was very interested to see one particular startup that won the MTN award a few years ago. And they had actually been to Israel on a, on an agricultural innovation trip and they had come back and, and thought, well, you know, actually there's some applications that, uh, that they saw in Israel that could actually work here in South Africa. And they created their own startup around those ideas for, for our context and have, and have been quite, quite successful. Are we, are we thinking enough about also internationalizing our innovation and also getting best practice from overseas? Yeah, so I think one of the challenges quite often with many of the entrepreneurs, particularly the ones that have not had international exposure, is uh, to limit their thinking uh, to just the local market. Uh, And so in the book, I also talk about uh, the need for entrepreneurs to know why they are solving a particular problem. So, I mean, the why is very important because the, the question is, what problem are you solving? Who else is actually facing a similar problem? Uh, and this is where internationalization comes in. If the problem is very localized, uh, the solution uh, in the business will tend to be also uh, localized. Uh, and indeed, we've seen uh, businesses in South Africa uh, going abroad, uh, thinking about internationalization. I think Yoko, uh, which has just raised uh, quite a huge uh, in a round of funding, a few years ago, when Yoko started, uh, many people would not have thought that Yoko would be as viable a payment option that it is today. Uh, and I think that that is a business that is bound to scale uh, and go uh, international. So internationalization for me is really about uh, the type of problems that one is solving. Uh, and uh, it helps uh, if one is solving a problem where it can be tested uh, and piloted within a local market before going abroad, uh, because when one goes abroad, there's all sorts of different challenges uh, that go with uh, internationalization. And I mean, a, a few years ago, I think you might remember the Innovation Hub, it also engaged uh, the, the government uh, of uh, the Embassy of Israel uh, to look uh, at uh, also exchanges uh, and uh, how it could actually access some of those markets, but also in terms of accessing some of the technologies uh, from the international markets uh, for them to be applied uh, to solving the local problems. We're talking today to Banda. He is the former CEO of the Innovation Hub and author of Nuts and Bolts, which is a kind of biography of that 
organization. From Johannesburg to Jerusalem, the world is always changing, growing and innovating. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he brings you the trendsetters, the thought leaders and those creating news before it happens. Only on the New Blue Review, your favorite Jewish culture and current affairs show. Every Monday at 9 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. You're back with 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Talking today to McLean Sabanda. He's the author of Nuts and Bolts. We're talking entrepreneurship today on the program and what we can do to get it right. Now, McLean, one of the things that you guys did, as you said, you took the innovation into the townships. You called it Ikasi Innovation. I'm interested in your perspective in terms of our schooling system. What kind of preparation do you think our schools are doing for an entrepreneurial mindset and for teaching the kind of skills in a country where we don't have a very high unemployment rate? We have a very high unemployment rate and where entrepreneurship could be the answer. How important is schooling and how well are our schools doing? I think schooling is everything uh, because uh, entrepreneurship is a mindset. And uh, many people, there's a school of thought that says, no, you can't teach entrepreneurship. I think you can. Uh, it's much, a lot of it is about exposure. And I think our education system, unfortunately, has tended to focus more, uh, on, uh, on, on preparing young people for the world, uh, of being employed. Uh, and so we need to, in essence, start to change, uh, how we teach young people and we need to teach them how to solve problems. Uh, and, um, and, 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 so, and so I think increasingly we're seeing that. I think, uh, you know, there's more and more schools that are starting to teach, uh, you know, young people, uh, business principles. Uh, and, uh, and I think if I was the, uh, if I was to talk to the uh, Minister of Education, I'd say to, uh, you know, Minister, I think it's important to actually, uh, find problems, uh, in society and let the young people start to ideate around uh, those particular problems. But more importantly, uh, is, in, is for them to ask the question, how can we make money uh, as we solve these particular problems? Uh, and I think another thing is also teaching young people uh, the technologies of the future, like uh, software coding. Uh, and so I think recently, last year, the president uh, Cyril Ramaphosa announced that uh, software uh, coding is going to become uh, a subject uh, at schools, uh, primary schools. So that is actually quite important. So entrepreneurship uh, is something that we need to teach uh, and uh, we need to encourage and we need to also reward. There is obviously the person who's doing the entrepreneurship, but typically around that person, there's all sorts of other people, there's parents, family members, other business associates, there is an ecosystem that can also make and break the entrepreneurship. It's not just an issue of people who may be listening to this who want to start a business, but perhaps there are people who are listening to this and know someone who's starting a business who wants to start a business. What advice do you have for them in, in the book about what they can do to make sure that this venture is a success? The journey of an entrepreneur is not an easy one, but it's a worthwhile journey it's a rewarding journey uh and so for anyone that is actually starting out uh you know out there 
Uh, nuts and bolts uh, would be a good starting point. You can get the book uh, at any exclusive books uh, or at Lutz uh, or even uh, at SibandaLegacy.Africa. Uh, you can be able to order the book because it contains stories around of entrepreneurs that have walked uh, in the journey of entrepreneurship. They're building big businesses. They're employing over hundreds of people today. Uh, so the one thing is for them to actually read uh, in extensively. The second thing is uh, because it's a lonesome journey, you want to be uh, in a community to find a good incubator. Uh, and I want to say to people, not all incubators are created the same. Uh, so just because they call it an incubator does not mean that it will be the right incubator for you. So if you are in the uh, 4IR uh, or AI or robotics, I'd say if you're in Houghton, go to Tsimulohong Precinct, uh, you'll get the good, uh, a good incubator there. Uh, if you are in the biotech sector or climate change, uh, go to the Innovation Hub. There's a Climate Innovation Center. There's a biopark. You get uh, support there. So there's a whole range uh, of uh, uh, incubators that are coming up. Ekasi Labs uh, in the townships, uh, some of the uh, uh, facilities uh, look up uh, through CEDA. There are a number of incubators uh, and so what one would get from an incubator is is really a, a supportive uh, ecosystem, uh, and they should also be able to direct uh, the entrepreneurs to areas where uh, sources of funding, uh, as well as give them access to the tools that they need uh, to, to build their businesses and mentorship. Now, what about the issue of failure? You know, in, in, in places where entrepreneurship is very much mainstream, failure is not really considered an issue. If you, in fact, if you haven't failed enough, then it's tended to be seen as a little bit of a problem. In South Africa, how do we treat failure? Because I get the sense that if somebody starts a business and fails, they get laughed at in South Africa. How do we change that? Yeah, it's true. I think it goes back to what I said earlier that entrepreneurship is a, is is a culture, and so our culture we tend to have a very punitive um, in a culture in South Africa. If you fail. Uh, you're not smart enough, you did not think about it, you should not have failed. Yet at the same time, I think the critical questions are questions that we should ask of people that have failed. And, the, and these questions are, why did you fail? What did you learn? If you had to do it again, what would you change? Would you do the same business uh, or would you have done things differently? So I'm not saying that we need to celebrate failure because also celebrating failure could, uh, you know, turn, be tantamount to celebrating mediocrity. However, where people have gone out, they have uh, done their homework, uh, but market changes, um, or they were, they were just about to launch the business, uh, and then COVID happened, uh, and lockdowns happened, and then suddenly they don't have a business. Uh, so those failures, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Uh, and I think what we need to do is to uh, find ways of supporting uh, those entrepreneurs uh, whose ideas have failed. It's not the entrepreneur that has failed. It's the idea that has failed. Uh, and what we're finding is that some of those uh, entrepreneurs make, you know, great uh, entrepreneurs within businesses, uh, but also uh, some of those uh, entrepreneurs whose ideas have failed, uh, they take a, a you know, break, they check what 
lessons learned and they come back and they launch successful businesses. Well, that's a great way to uh, end on that note. McLean, thank you so much. Definitely go out, get his book. As he said, it's available at exclusive books. I even saw it at CNA. It's online. Uh, and McLean, just your website again where people can find out more about yourself and and also what are you up to now that you're no longer at the Innovation Hub? My website is uh, sibandalegacy.africa um, and also I'm on Twitter, McLean Sibanda and on, on LinkedIn as well. So, I mean, I left the Innovation Hub and I decided uh, that uh, in Af- infrastructure is actually quite critical for the further development of our continent. And so I joined Biggin uh, Group uh, and uh, currently lead uh, big in Africa's uh, expansion into the rest of uh, the continent. Also writing another book. Uh, hopefully it might be out towards the end of the year. And that uh, looks uh, at uh, the intellectual property uh, issues. And very, very important, even being debated in Parliament at the moment. Uh, IP. Absolutely. So a crucial area and where often all of the really the, the money is to be made in some of these enterprises. But that's a discussion for another time. McLean, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with the reception of the book and all your work. Yeah, thank you very much, Benji. And uh, thank you very much to everyone that has been listening. McLean Sabanda, author of Nuts and Bolts.